grab that one. Are you sure? I don't think it goes with the stuff I've already got. Ah, oh, just trust me. It's a good combo. Come on, come on. Hurry up. Huh, okay. But what's the rush? There's an abundance of everything we need all around us. Yeah, it always seems that way, but you never know when someone might come and rush around the corner and steal what's rightfully mine. You mean mine? Oh, yeah, sure. Or yours. Now you mention it. Do you see this funny-looking guy who's been following us? Silently picking up everything we put back. Who? Where? Why didn't you say sooner? we got to be vigilant, man. Him, over there. Oh, him. That's just hat money, man. Buys and sells hats for a living. Does a roaring trade. Doesn't say much, I suppose. Keeps himself to himself. Old creepy, creepy hat hat. The Hatmeister General. Hats? How can it be possible to make money just by selling hats? I don't know. Just got attitude. Don't ask me how the economy works. It's good enough for Valve. <laughs> all right, all right. Point taken. Can we crack on again? I want to get this over with. One minute we're rushing, and the next we're pontificating microtransactions and the viability of the whole freemium model. Were we? Well, it seemed like it was heading that way. All right, fine. Are you holding as much as you can carry, or what? Is that the criteria for getting out of here? Yeah. Then yes. Let's go, 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 like the one and only Sir Mo. Easy there, whoa. The time for racing is over. I know this place. Familiar with the terrain. We've got to do this strategically. Let's go and wait over there. For real? But there's no one there. What's wrong with the direct approach? Trust me, this is one place you don't want to follow the crowd. Look, Money Man agrees, he's nodding. He doesn't look like he's agreeing. He looks like he's eating... Is that Jaffa Cakes? Jaffa, 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 Jaffa. Jaffa, 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 Jaffa. But sure, why not? If you're so familiar with the terrain, softly does it, I suppose? Exactly. Oh, well, would you look at that? It's opening up. See, I told you. Get ready. But now everyone's rushing for it too. Damn, we needed to be faster and take up a better starting position. Why did you choose here? You chose it. You literally just said. Look, there's already a crowd forming. They've started to jostle each other for first place. Oh, man. They're making a right old mess on the floor. Let's just bide our time. See how all this plays out. Clean up on aisle three. I got it. Gotta say, you're taking the weekly shop really seriously these days. I thought I was the one obsessed with Lidl. You're right. First-person shooters are usually more my thing. Because I'm not Teo, I'm Ben. And I'm not Hannah What? Did Hat Money Man pay for those Jaffa Cakes? He just walked out ahead of us. Little bloody ninja. I'd never do that. But then I'm not Hat, I'm Teo. And this is... A £7.33 play please. Pixel Vision. <laughs> Do you want to do it again? Oh, I think that was fine. I like the idea that we've, we've each filled our arms with as much stuff that we can carry. And it's £7.33. Uh, right then, Tev. Are you ready to crack on? I am. I am ready to crack on. I am ready to crack on. I was you just trying to look like that. you're ready to crack on. You look like you're just like browsing Twitter or some shit. Well, I was finding that uh, supermarket sweep theme tune for you, but I, I couldn't find anything. Do that after. Do that after. Yeah. Um, what? Well, uh... <laughs> Let's just give Teo a few minutes, everyone. <laughs> He's having a little yawn. We are early this morning. It's a true story. We are early. I'm used to not getting up early. Like, I used to get up early, and now I don't. It's a, not a very interesting story. Yeah, that's the housekeeping task. <laughs> vital housekeeping there. <laughs> yeah, literally. If you'd like <laughs> if you'd like to share your sleep patterns with us, feel free to email us. What is our email? Uh, pixelvision at gmail.com, surely. No, pixelvisionpodcast at gmail.com. Mm, nice, yeah. But better, you can also just hit us up on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash pixelviz. Do you check the emails? Because I feel like I should check the emails more. Maybe we've got loads of great emails. Is that likely, Teo? <laughs> yes. 
And I love the email correspondence as well. You can really get into it in a way that you can't on social meds. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> what game are we talking about, Mr. Teo? Oh, we haven't even introduced the game yet. Um, we are talking about Apex Legends today. Yeah, Apex Legends taking us out of our comfort zones. The legend that is. The legends that are the Apex Legends. Yeah, all right, all right. Who are the Apex Legends? Do you know? Are you going to quickly give us a lowdown uh, on the lore? Or did you not figure out the lore in advance? I tell you what, I didn't actually figure out the lore in advance. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the lore. Well, Benny G to the rescue. No way, you didn't. Look, right, here we go. Cards on the table, listeners. This is a game I haven't played very much of. <laughs> and as a result, I thought the very least I could do is do a bit of research. Oh, cool. So that's what I'm going to offer this episode. And Teo's going to tell you lots more about it because he's played it yeah. <laughs> for more than about eight hours. I definitely clocked in over 20 hours in the end. Really? Cards on the table as well. I really like it. <laughs> I'm really into it. Jesus Christ, there's so many cards on the table. We're so going to games. <laughs> yeah. No one's got their poker faces on. Everything's just all out on the table. We can see everything. Yeah, I, I loved it. Really surprising as well, because kind of like the backstory to this, I suppose, is that we started playing it together in person at Ben's mm. house. Yeah, I feel like I'm beginning to take offence already. It's almost like the moment you stopped playing with me was the moment you really started to enjoy it, which which is entirely plausible. Well, because it was the first time we played it, we were absolute noobs, so we were figuring the game out together. But with that comes a certain degree of frustration at being shit. So I guess there was that. I don't think it's to do with you. An enormous degree of frustration. I would say nearly a full circle's worth of frustration. Mm. But once you get to grips with the game, there's actually a lot to love there. Like, I can see why it's so popular. And there are a lot of noobs on it as well. There are a lot of people that aren't good at first-person shooters on this game. There are people that are, of course. Like, there are people where it's like, how did you hit me with every single bullet? But there's definitely also a lot of people playing who, you know, you can beat them. You can beat them. Well, (laughs) I, I definitely couldn't beat them. If I remember rightly, in the entire day that we played, I racked up maybe two kills. Mm, yeah, that's... Not... Something like that. I, I did manage to lay down some damage into people and uh, got a fair number of assists, but no, not many kills. Well, anyway, we pivoted to this fairly hastily from the lore. So I'll quickly give you... When I say lore, I mean, let's be honest. The guys behind Apex Legends are the same guys behind the Titanfall mm. franchise. Do I want to call it a franchise? Only two games, isn't it? Titanfall. Yeah, but series. Whatever. Yeah. Games. And... They are Respawn Entertainment, which has been bought by Electronic Arts, otherwise known as EA. Mm. But the real guys behind it are Jason West and Vince Zampella, who were previously Infinity Ward. And between those two guys, they've got like an epic string of FPS games to their name, including some Call of Duty games, Titanfall, obviously, uh, the recent 2020 Medal of Honor game, and Star Wars Jedi, which is a colon title that I'm not going to read the rest of. It's rude or anything, just can't be asked. Oh, wait, so the colon isn't after Star Wars? Yes, it's Star Wars Jedi colon, and then some more. Ah, okay. It's a mystery, Teo. You can look it up afterwards if you're really curious. 
but yeah so the the gist of it is it's those guys put together titanfall universe and the idea behind that is there's been this big war in outer space a place they call the frontier which in titanfall is the frontier war that is that is kind of going on but in apex legends that war is over but the inhabitants of that area they call the frontier in outer space of like a cluster of planets and stuff still for some reason choose to battle each other in what are called the apex games mm. which is described as a blood sport where legends from all corners of the frontier compete for money fame and glory mm. so in a way maybe this is why it's popular because they're basically calling everyone who plays the game an absolute legend there is something nice about that name it makes you want to play it doesn't it I think yeah. <laughs> it does make you want to play it. And actually, this is one of the strange things about this game is that I've wanted to play it for a really long time. And I've tried to play it before, unsuccessfully, before this podcast, oh. very fleetingly, very briefly, because I just couldn't get into it. And I put that down at the time to a lack of sort of social scene. Like, I didn't have anyone to play it with. No one was really using the mic, which I think we'll get into for me, that was a bit of a point. And I just thought, oh, do you know what? I'm not able to get into this this time. But I hadn't, like, ruled it out. And then when we played again, I still didn't get into it. <laughs> so now I have firmly ruled it out. But do you want to give us your Taya monologue of what this game is about? Mm. Since now we've sort of both fed back our gut reactions. It's a first-person shooter, Battle Royale. The main mode is you're in a team of three and there are 20 squads, so 20 squads of three, so 60 players, all get drop-shipped onto an island. You start the game, and it's the same as like PUBG, games like that. You choose where you want to land, so you're all in this plane at the start. You jetpack down with your team, usually with your team in tow. So one person will be leading and the other two are just following you so that you land in the same place. And then, yeah, it's a quick rush to grab all the weapons and armour and gear that you need to survive before the ring on the map starts to close, gradually get smaller and smaller until, yeah, there is only one team remaining. That's the Battle Royale. There is another mode on it called Arenas, which is a bit more standard, like 3v3 in rounds. Is there a single player as well? Not that I could find. You can choose to play solo, so you don't have to start on the island with the team. I don't know why you'd do that unless you were, like, incredibly antisocial, because... It's fun having a team. Like, sometimes they die straight away and you're on your own anyway, but I don't see why you would actively not want to have a team. I don't really get that. But, you know, maybe that's just some people's style. Yeah, I just assumed, we obviously didn't play it because we were playing together, but I just assumed that if you were a solo player, you could enter the island in a mode where everyone is a solo player. No. So the whole game, you can clearly see it has these three-person team modes set up, but just the way, like, the banners come down in threes... I don't know, the whole thing seems to be set up with like a three-player mode as the main one, for sure. Unlike PUBG, which is very much a single... Like, that does have a team-based one as well, but like the main mode, you're on your own. This is all about the squad. I didn't mention as well, there's were 12, 16 legends. 18 legends, sorry, currently. And each one has its own abilities. So there'll be like a passive ability, a kind of low-key special, which just recharges by itself, and then an ultimate ability, which takes a little bit longer to build up. Fucking ultimates. The worst thing to happen to games. Well, not the worst thing, but they are annoying. They're not that powerful, though, I didn't find. And we didn't mention as well that it's a free-to-play game. I'm pretty sure you can buy it with all the characters, because there's like a 35-quid version. I didn't pay for it, so I'm just assuming that at least includes all the characters. Right. But if you don't pay for it, only six of those characters, only six of those legends, I should say, are unlocked. 
And after 20 hours of playing, I didn't build up literally a single extra credit that could have bought me another character. Yeah, I mean, that pisses me off straight away. Like, we haven't even talked. I don't really want to talk at length about the freemium model because it's like, that's almost a podcast in and of itself. Yeah, okay. But But just... That is annoying because their claim is that these are all you can pay, sure, but it's aesthetic stuff and you don't have to and you're not at a disadvantage if you don't and you don't buy advantages. But mm. like if you're only actually getting six of the legends of the 18 and the others all have different talents and abilities, then you're definitely at a disadvantage. Mm. So they make a big deal, as I guess you would as a game developer out of the combination of the three legends being really important. Maybe that makes a difference at like the highest level of this game, but certainly at the level that I was playing with the people I was playing with, that really doesn't matter. There's no like synergies going on. You mean in a sort of like, oh, we need a healer, a tank and a DPS type thing? Yeah, yeah, similar. But I guess it feels more similar to Dota. It's more like games like that where like maybe there's like a tank healer, but in Dota, it's more just like your abilities work well together than they fit into those more standard molds. Like For comboing and this symbiotic relationship between the players mm, like you've got damage dealer here but honestly like everyone does about the same amount of damage because you've all got the same guns but then like having a scout i think is really important so i always played as one character bloodhound and he was able to see which i think i think this is really overpowered he's able to see the tracks of where other players have gone and when we were playing we were a bit too new to the game to really appreciate this but just being able to like see the little footprints where other people have gone gives you that kind of like spatial awareness to do well basically no one can hide from you because you know if they're just around the corner bless me with sight there is an enemy over here yeah. Well, just before we get into more of the game, do you want to rattle through some of the other abilities just so that people have got an idea of what those sort of talents are? Because as you say, we're only ever going to be able to give them six because we didn't play the other 12. Yeah. And I think, am I right in saying that with each season, they release another character or another couple of, sorry, le- another legend or another couple of legends? Uh, it kind of seems that way, like one called Seer was released on this season emergence and this is its 10th season season as well Mm, so it's been going a pretty long time yeah although it actually hasn't though it's season 10 but the game was launched in uh 2019 what february 2019 yeah actually that's one of the amazing things about its background fair play to them so apex launched in february 2019 with a million players within 24 hours two and a half million within a couple of days and 10 million under a week wow well, that's a hell of a launch that nearly rivals pixel vision do you know what i mean wow, yeah. this podcast took off but 100 million within a week we should see if they want to do a collab have like the podcast playing and the game or something yeah we could have little images of ourselves <laughs> maybe we could be the commentators for the games they could introduce us as the, the apex legend casters yeah nice We'll get in contact with them. You can make that pitch, Taylor. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. Reach out to uh, Jeff or whatever his name is. Yeah. Jason, not Jeff. <laughs> Got his name wrong. He's not going to like that for a start. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back and welcome to game one of the Apex Legends Global Series Championship. North America, it is your turn right now. And it is a pleasure and a privilege to be alongside the man himself. Teo, I'm Ben. Anyway, anyway. Oh, yeah. So the six characters. So before I rattle off a few of their abilities or like archetypes or whatever, I did a bit of research because I, I did want to be good. Like, well, basically, my objective for this podcast and playing this game was to win a game of Apex Legends. So love it. So it's a high bar. <laughs> it's so hard. 
<laughs> it's so hard. So I wanted to see like which characters were good and why and stuff and understand it a little bit. And actually, I think by a lot of people's rankings, three of the best characters are in those three characters that you get, those six free characters. So although it's annoying that like you see some people's abilities being used and you're like, oh, I really want a jetpack or whatever. <laughs> Always the same characters with jetpacks. Remember, it was the same when they brought them out in Halo. It's like jetpacks. jetpacks. <laughs> I <hate> jetpacks. <laughs> so there are good options for you in those six. Already mentioned Bloodhound, like you get the tracking, his little abilities. You get to briefly see the outlines of players around you and it tells you how many hostile players are around you. And then his ultimate just makes him faster at moving around and be able to see people more easily, which is like super, super useful. Then you've got Lifeline. I guess she's like more like your healer archetype. So in the game, once you're dead, you're dead, but you get knocked down before you die. So your teammates have a chance to revive you. And what Lifeline can do is that she doesn't have to like sit by you and like press a button down to revive you really slowly. She can just like chuck on her revive machine and get on with the game while you're being revived. I was always playing as Lifeline when we played because I thought if I couldn't kill anyone, at least I could heal them. Mm. Couldn't heal them either, it turned out, but... Gave it my best shot. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got a good, a good few revives. There was one game of arenas where like, you got like five revives or something, which is a lot. Ain't no butler here. I take out the trash myself. Remember that. Then you've got like Wraith, who's a speedy assassin. Can't remember what her passive is. Maybe like she gets faster as she's being shot or something. Or maybe that's the other one. But uh, yeah, her little ability is that she can like phase in and go really fast and no one can shoot her like into a different reality and then come back out, out again. And her ultimate, which I think is absolute garbage. Like I don't know who's managing to use this successfully. It's to make two portals. Cool. If you could like shoot the portal or something like awesome, but no, you have to like physically place them in two different locations and then you can just travel between them and it lasts like a minute or something. And it's, I don't know why that's... Anyway. <laughs> that sounds like it would be really good in a game of Capture the Flag, which as far as I know, isn't a mode in Apex Legends. <laughs> yeah, maybe when... No, it's, yeah, exactly. Um, maybe when the ring gets really small, it's useful. I suppose you think that was terribly clever. Then there's a robot who gets a... Not a bungee cord. What's it called? Like a grappling yeah, hook. Yeah, a grappling hook, yeah. Who can grapple around. That's way more uh, Titanfall. You can see how that's come straight from Titanfall, basically, can't you? Because the pilots in Titanfall all had those. Yeah. I way preferred the Titanfall multiplayer to this Apex. It felt way more fluid and way more exciting. And, like, you were wall running and stuff, which... Um, not even sure your grappling guy can do in Apex, can he? No. Um, but other than that, the movement's really similar with the like sprinting, sliding. You build up speed when you're going down a hill sliding. It's almost like if you're going downhill, you want to be sliding downhill. <laughs> Everywhere else you want to be sprinting. And then there's that classic, like, you can sort of scramble up onto ledges, but there's a cap, isn't there? You sort of wall run up the first bit and then mm. jump, but there's a maximum height. Yeah. But Teo didn't believe me to begin with. He was like, well, I should be able to run up whatever ledge I want to run up. <laughs> like, the fucking game was just targeting me specifically to deny <laughs> climbing. But it seems like you have come round to that now, Teo. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's true. There's, you definitely can't climb forever. But yeah, it's a really good point. So Titanfall 2, if anyone's ever played it, the manoeuvrability in that is next level, isn't it? It's so fun to move around. I love it, yeah. Why was that game not more of a success? Yeah, I wish really we were reviewing that game right now, because that game was on hell of a game. 
So, heartily recommend. Just throwing that out there quickly while we're on the subject. Now, I serve as a rifleman in the militia, fighting to free the frontier. I'm a long way from becoming a pilot. But when that day comes, I hope I can live up to the honor. Definitely give Titanfall 2 a whirl if you haven't already. We loved how it felt to move around in that game. This game, not quite as good, but really my touchstone for it was um, was the other big battle royale, or one of the other big battle royales. So it's Fortnite, obviously, that's third person, um, which is player unknown battlegrounds. And the movement in that is awful. Like, it, oh God, have you ever played it? I can't remember if I've actually played it, but I've seen it played a lot because um, I'm a big fan of the caster, the Halo caster, Richard Sims, uh, the Sims. Sims. And he got moved from being a Halo caster to being a PUBG caster. Mm. And so then I kind of followed him when he moved and started watching some of those games. And when they tried to take it competitive, I don't know what the status of it now is because I haven't played, but when they first tried to take it competitive and have like a really big event, that was actually quite exciting, even though they seemed to fuck up the technology element of it and the broadcast. It was still really fun to watch. One man standing, two versus one. Pixel with the level three gear and the Groza with very little Punch HP one. on the opposing side. Drills him and he gets the kill. So I actually did quite like watching PUBG. Mm. The cameras were always jumping between the people for whom something was going on. Mm. So you were never like really bored. Whereas when you're playing it yourself, there are like really long periods where you're just running across the countryside and nothing's going on. Oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, to watch it, pretty entertaining, for sure, but playing it is like, I don't know how they could have got it so wrong in this day and age, and, and how it could be so popular <laughs> as well. I think it's maybe like coming from Halo, to that like awful, awful feeling to like both shoot and move. Yeah, everything to play that game was just horrible. But don't you think the popularity of these games in and of itself is actually quite an interesting phenomenon? Like, mm. given how long it took us, I appreciate you're now saying you really enjoy playing it. Yeah, mm. I'll, I'll take your word for it. But like, I certainly fucking didn't after a full day spent trying to get into it. And even watching other people with Apex, I don't really like get too much of a thrill out of it. It doesn't seem to have quite as much tension or excitement I guess because the battles are over in general a lot quicker than in some other first-person shooter games. So the popularity of these games is a bit of a phenomenon. And I reckon the same way it managed to get a million players within 24 hours, I reckon that's because they rely so heavily on really high-profile gamers and influencers and Instagrammers, basically, and Twitch players who are really high-profile and all that kind of stuff to basically get them to play their game and then they're clearly having a great time because they're being paid to on feed and everyone else is like, whoa, this has got to be amazing. Follow the tunnel. What's this? Is that oh, like your ability? Riff, dude. Pretty cool. Portal's ready. Look at that. What? What? Can I take this? What? <laughs> Sick. And I reckon that's how you get, you ratchet up really fast the volume of people who are playing your game. Because if it was organic, if it was like, oh, should we give this game a shot? And then you install the game and then you try and get into it for a day. I mean, maybe my bar is pretty low, but I just can't imagine loads of people playing a game for a day and being like, well, I'm still finding it pretty shit now, but maybe tomorrow I'll find it more fun. I just feel like people would be turned off a lot quicker than that. But maybe that's just me. Hmm. I don't know, because it's interesting because in these types of games, there's a lot more time spent 
collecting things and and hiding and like observing than there is actually shooting. Whereas in a more traditional deathmatch first person shooter, you're straight in there with the shooting. And if you're not good, you're going to die like repeatedly straight away. And that means that like you quickly become better. But I think maybe that's what turns people off nowadays is like getting into a game and dying straight away. Whereas in this game, it's possible, in these kinds of games, it's possible to go in and play for a bit. And even though you're not really playing for a bit because you're not actually shooting anyone, you do get to like exist in the game for a little bit longer and like kid yourself. <laughs> but you're just out of the action. There is no action going on. At least with one of those fast paced, like die, respawn, die, respawn, you feel like you're in the center of the action all the time and something's going on. Kill the spree. Kill atrocity. Sniper spree. You've got a chance to win a battle. Whereas with this, you can wait 20 minutes, then have your battle, then lose it. And you're like, oh, I'll give it another shot. And then you wait 10 minutes and then you lose it. And it's like, fucking hell, I wish I could have a few more encounters. How am I going to get better? Yeah, but I think people enjoy not battling. <laughs> I genuinely think people... Snowflakes! Snowflakes! <laughs> this woke generation of pacifists, all they want is to just hang out in a green field, not using the weapons at their disposal. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Obviously, I have like zero evidence for this. I haven't gone and done like some user research and stuff on Battle Royale players. Don't worry, the listeners don't expect research. But certainly for myself, it's a pretty relaxing experience once you get into it. I looked forward to playing it each day, maybe play like an hour and a half, two hours, like most evenings, because it's just really relaxing. Like the entrance where you jump onto the map, is quite exciting. And then it's just kind of chill, like farming is in MMOs. You know, remember you said this to me before, like grinding and farming in MMOs is like the classic one is like killing a hundred boars or whatever to get like a particular boar hide. <laughs> Stranglethorn Vale or wherever you are. Yeah. yeah. It's notorious. And then Googling what the drop rate is. Mm, exactly. <laughs> it, it's notorious for being like a fucking waste of time. But I remember you saying to me, that you found it like quite relaxing, quite chill. And this has a similar quality to it. Not enough rage. Need more rage. Not enough rage. Need more rage. So once you get rid of the expectation that you're going to be like straight into a battle and win or lose the battle, just the act of like building up your gear for the end game. Yeah, it's quite nice. Okay, well, let's shift into what that gear is then, because it seems to be a hell of a lot of guns. There's quite a lot of guns in this game, aren't oh, there? Yeah, there is. And part of getting good at it, I imagine, is sort of memorizing the icons for the guns identifying which ones play for you the best. There is a little training mode at the very beginning of the game that you can do, which <laughs> introduces you to, I think, the very basics. But I remember when Teo and I were playing, we did the training mode. It teaches you to like run, slide, like how to sort of notify your teammates of an enemy or of like a good drop or something like that. And then you get into the game and I remember just being like, this wasn't in the tutorial <laughs> yeah, <that was> really <laughs> over and over because there were so many things in the actual game. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like even just weapon attachments, they don't really talk about in the training or not enough. Mm. So when you start to encounter weapon attachments and weapon types, so you get different ammo types and knowing which gun is which ammo type, obviously you just pick that up through playing a lot. 
but initially you're like you find all this stuff and your habit initially is is a hoover isn't it you just everything you see you pick up until your inventory says you've got too much so you're just spamming pick up you don't even really look at it and you've got this sense that there's a rush there's an urgency which is what we were kind of taking the mick out of in the intro because there's this idea that like actually any second someone could come around a corner and just start shooting you or they get to the guns before you so there's this kind of huge urgency which means as a new player you don't even really spend your time standing and looking and being mm. like okay so what does this do and could, could I clip it on here because there's this sense that if you do that you might just die immediately yeah like you say that's totally your instinct because that's what everyone's doing in the game you're like hoovering up the stuff and we even read some advice online where they were like when you first start playing just pick up everything I don't agree with that I literally don't agree with that I think you get a lot more from the game like build your skills quicker if you take your time a bit and consider what each thing is depending on where you land like if you land with a bunch of other players like yes it is a rush and that's more like the first like three minutes are like the first three minutes of a death match mm. but if you land where like most other people aren't or you know just hide a little bit that you've got loads of time at the beginning of the game to consider stuff so when i was playing with you we were really confused about all the weapons and the ammo types but you do gain familiarity with that and actually the game does quite a good job visually of indicating to you which weapons are which ammo and once i started noticing the symbols Actually, the information is there for you. Does it do a good yeah, yeah. job? It does, it does, it does. It has icons, and if I remember rightly, the icons are all very similar to one another. Well, maybe, maybe. But once I noticed it, I felt like a bit of an idiot for not realising it sooner. And so, yeah, I don't know, you can get your head around that. <laughs> I remember I remember when we were playing, and obviously we were a two, so we were always getting matched up with a third person initially. Eventually we did play with a friend of ours, but... Initially, we were always getting matched up with a random third person, and they always did really, really well in our games. And at the end of every game, we'd be like looking at their weapon icon. We'd be like, which, which gun were they using? They must be using like a way better gun. Like so much of that. Like it, it's not my ability; it's my tools. <laughs> mm, yeah, we were convinced we just like didn't know what weapons we should choose, and therefore were at, like just an objective disadvantage. Yeah, actually, this is something that FPS games in general, in their matchmaking deliberately play on this uncertainty about what other people have got Mm, interesting there was a scandal I was reading about not long ago I can't remember which game it was whether it was COD or whether it was this one or Fortnite or whatever but it was basically where the algorithm specifically matched you up with people who played better than you i.e. were stronger players but who also had aesthetic augmentations weapon skins and stuff like that so that you had this sense this illusion that the reason that they were better than you is because they'd spent money on the game mm-hmm. and the aim of that obviously was to encourage you to buy more stuff at the time i remember loads of companies saying oh no we don't do that we don't do that but then loads of their employees being like yeah 100 we do that and when you think about it like that's the only thing that these companies have got to make money from so like that is where the incentive is going to line up like why wouldn't they do that they don't give a shit if you're a casual player whether you have fun they do care if you're going to spend money Mm, yeah so you wouldn't want to just put all the people that spend money in one place because then they're on equal footing you'd want to like actively mix them up so that the people that don't as you say, feel a disadvantage. I can see why you do that. I didn't feel like that was happening in Apex Legends. So, like, I was matching up with two other random people every time. And actually, towards the end, not only my team, but, like, also the champion team, which you get a little preview of, I felt like I had as many, like, aesthetic upgrades as them, bizarrely. 
by the end of it, I had like just some random boxes that you get by um, leveling up. I didn't loot boxes. Loot boxes. The hated loot boxes that Apex leans massively heavily into with yeah, its little yeah. point system, which I still don't understand. I didn't spend the penny, but like by the end for Bloodhound, I had like an animate banner, trackers, a rare skin. Yeah, I, I felt pretty good about about my character, and I didn't spend anything. And were you applying these aesthetic changes? Were you spicing up your characters, or were you much more utilitarian? It's irrelevant, therefore I don't need to do it. You might as well in between matches when you haven't got anything else to do. So that's the only other thing there is to do in the game when you're not playing is explore these like aesthetic menus. There are so many of them. It's considerable, which are considerable, yeah. Unbearable. God, I know I said I didn't want to talk freemium, but I really fucking hate the freemium model for this reason. I like that it's arguably democratized games and that more people can play them. And like, for instance, I know Halo is going to be freemium as well when it comes out. And on the one hand, I'm like, that's great because it means the player base is much more likely to be really broad. But on the other hand, I'm like, it just fills the game menus with so much shit and like so many animations and like all the PR and stuff that comes out in advance is changes to armor and aesthetic things mm. and like what characters are going to be in it plus it's like a source of sponsorship for them so you see like Fortnite with fucking will smith in it or something Ugh, i just find it ah uh, it's horrible <laughs> yeah and I, and I and i totally agree i wouldn't try and argue for the freemium model obviously that would be madness but Maybe I just got used to it, but I actually didn't find it annoying by the end. Initially, it was so annoying, the game trying to get you to spend your money. But I didn't find it egregious by the end. Mm. I just found it kind of a little bit of a novelty. I didn't mind how it was laid out. Just as a comparison game, like I found Hitman 3, which isn't a freemium game, it's fucking expensive, more annoying, the menu in that. Like, yeah, that's trying to get you to buy things. I mean, that is egregious in Hitman 3, though, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ. In all of those games. But that's what I was going to follow up with, actually, is that I think it would be unfair to imply that Apex is alone in this. Like, when I criticise Apex for this, I'm not really criticising Apex so much as all the games that do this. And it seems mm. like the business model that's being adopted more or less universally among multiplayer games now. So, yeah. And that's the same with a lot of my other criticisms as well. Like, I've previously always been frustrated by any game with a really short TTK with a short time to kill. Because... I'm so accustomed to the idea that if you're a skilled player and someone starts shooting you, that doesn't matter that they've seen you first and started shooting you first. If you're more mm. skilled, you can outmaneuver them. And it doesn't feel like that in a lot of these short TTK games. It feels like a twitch reflex shooter where it's like, oh God, yeah, there they are. I saw them first. I shot them first. They're down. Thank God. And then it becomes about your knowledge of the map. And maybe that brings with its, you know, in a way that is its own skill. Like, do you have the better reflexes than your opponent and that kind of stuff? But for me, it doesn't really do it. But that's not just an Apex criticism. And actually in Apex, because of armor and rank up helmets and stuff like this and the ability to reheal and all that kind of stuff the ttk is kind of extended of all of these kinds of games apex is actually one of the longer ttks i think whereas if you can trust it to sort of like valorant or counter-strike even or um i imagine warzone because all the other cod games seem to have had a ludicrously short ttk surely yeah all those kind of games just don't really do it for me no for ag reason. agreed and we actually well because we started playing apex legends and we were like are we gonna be able to do an episode on this like are we gonna enjoy it enough to want to play it to do an episode and so we trialed another couple of games to maybe do instead or i did anyway and one of them was valorant and the ttk in that is so short i mean <laughs> i only played for like three hours but i oh god i thought that game was so shit
anyway, that's not, let's not go into that. I, I thought it was just an objectively shit game. Anyway, the, all the power to people who enjoy that. It's like... Dur, 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 dur. As an aside, I tried to persuade us to do Splitgate. Which seems like it's a yeah. combo between... You always hear this, but I think it is pretty accurate. A combo between Portal and uh, Halo. And yeah. when I was watching people play that, I was like, oh, that looks like a lot of fun. But then Teo gave it a little whirl and was like, it's really fun, but it's probably not not substantial enough to uh, spend a whole episode on. Yeah, it's a ridiculously fun game, for sure. But there's less to talk about there. Like, you pretty much said everything that you can say about that game. <laughs> in one sentence. Wow. Oh, wow, there really wasn't enough to have an episode on. Because it is just Halo. Like, we'd have a whole episode of us just explaining the ways that it's similar to Halo. Yeah, fair <laughs> because enough. they've completely cloned it, but it is really, really fun. So yeah, I do recommend that game. One of the things I wanted to mention, I mean, I do think as well, let's keep talking a bit about the gear that you can get and pick up because mm. that's such a key part of the game. As you say, it's like more picking up gear than shooting people really. Mm. So I do want to kind of get into what some of that gear is and like increasing backpack sizes and all that kind of thing. But one of the things about this is that you obviously learn to recognize that gear. You learn which guns are better for you and what guns do and what range they're optimum at and mm-hmm. what they're spread is and all that and drop distance of bullets probably and all that kind of stuff but you do that over time and because i personally didn't find playing the game that enjoyable i felt i was never really going to get there whereas in a game like just to contrast it again with Titanfall 2 because it's kind of a spiritual successor i guess in a game like that you learn those things through the campaign Mm. and i just wondered if apex had a really great campaign and then the real meat on the bone was this multiplayer Maybe that would make it more appealing. Maybe I would have learned mm. those things, learned the sort of what each gun does, when to use them, and sort of had a more substantial training ground by the time I actually face off against other humans. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. And that's how we got into Halo multiplayer, isn't it? By playing the campaign. And Titanfall as well. Mm. Brilliant campaign. And Titanfall, of course. Maybe you're right. It kind of gets you invested in not just the game world, but in all its intricacies of the, what weapons there are what gear there are in a safe environment which rewards you for just playing <laughs> where well, obviously if you jump straight onto the island i don't think you are really rewarded for just playing you're punished for playing initially now you do not punish someone dutch or otherwise for having big boobs if anything they should be rewarded they should be equal women are equal i've always said that so <laughs> yeah or invested like you said like in this game you didn't know the law I glossed over it in about two sentences mm. and neither of us really gave a shit. And I imagine most other players don't either. Whereas some other games, the lore is really, really important and mm. players love it and kind of get steeped in it and read books about it and fan fiction and whatever else. I'm not saying that's the bar for what constitutes a good game or not, but I do wonder if there was a campaign you would feel like there was more of a purpose to you being dropped in this world and you would have an mm. understanding of your context there rather than just like, yeah, this is just some blood sports that people love doing. I wonder if there's a conversation about just dropping Titanfall 2 into this game, as in just taking the code and using the game in its entirety in this new format. Because Titanfall 2 is so good, like, why didn't they do that? They must have used some of it, like it'd be crazy if they hadn't, but it's obviously not the same, so yeah. 
Because then, at that point, Titanfall 2 storyline is the intro to Apex Legends, if it's set in the same world, as you say. Well, it would change some of the mechanics, because I don't think the mechanics map onto each other one for one. No, no. Like, no. wall running, definitely not. And there obviously aren't any actual Titans or other bots that you're kind of manoeuvring. Mm. So, like, you, they would have to tweak it a fair amount. But, I mean, I still think they could have come up with a really interesting campaign that would have given you that graded gunplay mm. sort of incline yeah that you'd have felt like you were bettering yourself and improving and so when you went into an arena you'd feel like genuinely yeah i'm ready for this i reckon i can hold my own and would be curious to find out if you could mm. are you not entertained are you not entertained but anyway the other element of the game i wanted to touch on which i referenced already was this communication aspect oh yeah because yeah. i actually really like how well they've implemented mm. oh there's enemies over there and it's all on the d-pad like as you'd expect like there's enemies over there or there's uh epic armor or something <laughs> i can't really think of any examples off the top of my head but that kind of thing and they're all just in game already pre-voiced by some voice actor in a studio mm. somewhere and that's really helpful but it does mean that there's no real incentive for players to put a headset on and have a chat let's go this way making contact with enemy i really liked that it made me feel like i was in the game with a bunch of these characters rather than a bunch of random people it gave a kind of consistency to the experience like hearing their voices because they're all pretty well voice acted all the different legends and i'm someone that's actually pretty shit at communicating first person shooters <laughs> like it's yeah fucking tell me about <laughs> it when we were playing the number of times i was like where are the enemies where are the enemies and i could hear this gunfire and Teo being like fuck shit shit and i'd be like where are they and Teo, nothing tumbleweed and then after the encounter and he died he'd be like ah oh, they were over there it's like what, what am i meant to do with that Learn the cool outs, mate. Know, Learn the cool outs. I know. I decided I need to get better at. But um, because I'm usually a decent communicator, right? But it's something about I, I just can't focus on like playing and talking at the same time. I find it really hard. So most of the call outs are just on RB. And depending on what you point it at, it does a little different call out. And depending if you tap it or double tap it, it does a different call out. I got really into that by the end of it. The most useful thing is saying where enemies are. Not only can you see it on your screen, but you can see it on the mini-map as well. So you've got a little like radar overview of where your teammates have said enemies are, which is super useful in this game. But then also armor, like you say, because you're gathering all this armor and you might find an epic shield. You've already got an epic shield, so you just do a tap and they're like, epic shield here. And then your teammate can come and get it. So you really feel like you're building up your strength together especially at the beginning. Yeah, I think the player interaction, the way it's implemented is really good. I don't doubt that at all. And and actually that's the bit I, in some ways I enjoyed the most because it's, mm. you know, interacting is the bread and butter of most things, right? Mm. And feeling like you communicate with your teammate and your teammate responds and goes and picks up whatever and you've helped them out and maybe they do the same and you're like, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that's really good. Like, I can definitely use that. That's nice. That's you're building a relationship in the game. But just doing it non-verbally that's my only question mark. And I actually think this is a reaction to the dominant player base not using a headset in the first place. So they're like, well, let's just mm. implement a way that people can still communicate because it is frustrating. And I've had it loads of times, not in this game, but in loads of other multiplayer games that I've played where you log in, you're the only person in the team with a headset and you're like, hey guys, has anyone got a mic? Has anyone got a mic? And the only other person talking is like some 10 year old who's really abusive. And it's kind of like, no, nah, this isn't an ideal setup. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, all the best experiences I've had in multiplayer games have been shared verbally. Mm. So I've been on a mic or I've been with like present with other people like you or other friends. And so 
I don't know. I wish in some ways there was more of an incentive. And I get that. I do get that that must be a nightmare for developers to figure out what do players want more. Do we want to augment the experience of playing the game by sort of compelling them to use a headset for them to really get the most out of it? Or are we then just closing off our player base and actually people just won't play? I mean, I've never had like a bad experience online. I've had people be rude and like offensive and all that kind of thing. But I mean, I don't really care. I just think like these people are idiots. But you don't want to force players to do that just in case if it's necessary to use a headset to play the game, then that is going to turn a lot of people off. So I think like exactly like you say, like it's a reaction to that, that they want to make it as accessible as they can for everyone and ultimately as fun as they can for everyone. Mm. To have that communication system built into the game as a minimum, I think is a really good shout. And then if you want to communicate with others, then there's still that option there. Although I suppose if you're playing solo... I mean, you'll be better positioned than me to know about this, given the amount you've played. But when you enter a game by yourself, do you feel like you're part of a team and you've got a social connection with your team? Or do you feel like you're just with two strangers and you hope that they do all right? It depends. So there's a certain... So I'll talk about the game where I managed to place first, because that's the best Of course you will. Yeah, of course. That's the best example. The one where I did really, really well. Well, no. So I think I came second, like four or five times, which is so frustrating, by the way, because I felt like I was really, really close. And all of those, I definitely felt like I had a connection to my team. It's definitely the exception rather than the rule. So like most of the time you'll drop in, your team will be going like all different directions. I'll be like, okay, well, I want to stick together. So I'll be following them, but they don't really seem to care about sticking together. And then there's some variability in between. But yeah, the games where we did well definitely felt like we were a team. And the fact that the voices aren't there adds to the tension as well. Do you remember, we always talk about World of Warcraft, but you know how like jumping and crouching as communication signs in games where there isn't any voice audio become like such like a method of communication yeah <laughs> so it's a bit like that like you get people like crouching like going up and down or like jumping near you and that kind of thing which is just quite nice non-verbal communication yeah and emptying clips into each other in the, yeah. before the game starts or at the yeah. end as well classic like the game starts the the barriers are still up so you can't enter the map and everyone's just shooting each other and the fact that there's no other audio or no other people's voices definitely adds to the tension. The game which I won, there was like a big firefight at the start, which we managed to come out on top of, although one of our team died and then quit. We could have revived him, but he decided to leave. So it was just me and this other person for the whole game, like right up to the end. And we didn't have a single other encounter. And there was so much like just going really near the outside of the ring, hiding, like me looking at the map, because you can bring up the map of the whole island and do a call out for where you think you should go. And I was doing quite a lot of that. And he was getting really on board with it. I'd like say like, oh, let's go to this position. And then we both like run to that position and like hide a little bit more and like duck up our head, duck up our head, stops it, duck, put our heads up, peek out. peek out and see like the firefight going on in the distance and be just like, we kind of like crouch and sort of look at each other as if to say, should we get involved? And just be like, nah, let's wait until the end. Until it got right to the smallest ring, which we approached like really carefully. And when it came to the final three teams, we were both in this little building and we could hear them fighting outside. And again, it happened where we were just crouching like, should we go out yet? Yeah. Because at this point in other games previously, 
my teammate probably would have just run out and like maybe I would have done as well but for whatever reason we decided to be really cautious this game little campers and then yeah finally like he did run out and he died so I guess that's why he didn't run out before and then I ran out behind him because I thought well I might as well at this point and then yeah just killed the last two players and champion what a feeling what an absolute feeling it was definitely worth those 20 hours just for that one moment oh that's actually really cool man I'm glad you had that joy from the game I wish I had a video of it to show you because I yeah I wouldn't watch it don't worry about it I mean it's it's like it's over in seconds right like so that's the thing about the game is that that was 25 minutes build up or something and it all came down to that 10 seconds of play and it was like make or break what do you think of the map design because I think the aesthetic is pretty cool overall but it's not like exciting or super remarkable or distinctive I wouldn't say I think it actually feels quite last gen and I mean it is technically I suppose and dated already whereas other multiplayer games you feel like the map has been crafted down Mm. to the pixel to make it as optimized for competitive play as possible with this I felt like it's almost just too sprawling to imagine that the devs had really sort of really considered carefully the height and width of every nook and cranny and all this kind of stuff it felt a little bit more like let's drop in some sort of yeah just some kind of like cookie cutter buildings yeah exactly yeah like same rocks and stuff so yeah i think somewhere in between like considering how big the map is i think it does feel fairly well crafted but as you say it's nowhere near the level of um like some of the best halo maps where there's so much to know in every corner and knowing it is essential to success or time splitters or any kind of really small compact battleground like quake for instance that's true quake i remember being awesome the map design on that although a lot more reliant on symmetry that's true but i think the interesting thing here and i did definitely get into this by the end not maybe like the last five hours i was playing is that because this ring is getting ever smaller so you never know the exact layout of the final arena that you're going to be playing in and being able to like assess that ahead of time so that you have the best position to fight in that arena is actually really important and you haven't got a lot of time to think about that and sometimes your hand is forced anyway just due to the direction you're coming at but nevertheless getting that right is essential to winning because there was one game I played and the reason we lost is just because we were like on the low ground like down in this kind of pit and we hadn't thought about it and they'd taken up a position like way up on this cliff and so we were like scrambling to get up there as the ring closed and they were just able to pick us off as we came up and afterwards I was like fuck definitely should have thought about that beforehand and like seen how that could have happened ahead of time so yeah I actually found that aspect of the game strategically really satisfying towards the end like thinking about approach and direction so although you're right like the detail's not quite there the bigger elements of like height and like where the buildings are and stuff I think does matter yeah fair enough in some cases running away can be as fun as fighting so just escaping to fight another day in this game can be really really fun as well and also in fact I kind of think for half of the players playing that's what they're doing so they're not expecting to face you they're expecting to scarf basically so they're optimizing their inventory yeah. for defense yeah. and then sprinting every time they get in an encounter. So when you're the aggressor and you you feel like you're playing against someone who doesn't want to fight you, that can be quite fun. Do you allow yourself to be kited and get pulled away from your position by someone sprinting away or do you stay where you are, camp? It depends. Depends how you're playing, really. Because sometimes you just want a bit of action, don't you? 
But then that's the thing. If you want a bit of action, then just drop in where the other teams are and then you get a bit of action straight away. So would you say you're a convertee? Are you going to be playing season 11? Which I think, so season 10 ends in November, I think. So you'll be signing on for the next yeah. one. Yeah, no, it's it's too open-ended for me. So my objective was to win one game. I'm really glad that I managed to do that because I probably would have carried on trying if I hadn't managed it. But now that I've won one game, I'm not motivated to carry on playing. Like, that was my personal objective, I feel like I've met. Right. But I can definitely see how people do. And I'm really glad that I put the time in to appreciate the phenomena that a battle royale is. Because when I played PUBG, I just didn't get it. I was like, why the fuck is this popular? On that then, what do you think of the longevity of the genre? Do you think it's going to stick around or do you think it's a fad? Because I initially thought this is going to be a fad. And we've seen kind of a rapid expansion into loads of other games after the success of PUBG and then Fortnite. Was it PUBG then Fortnite? I think it was. Mm. And then Apex. Mm. And now we're seeing Warzone. And I wouldn't be surprised if other games are still coming out. I'm sure I've already not mentioned a couple that are high profile and, and do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But they can't all really compete for the same player base. And I think it is the same player base who like these kind of games. So I'm wondering if, this has got much longevity or if it'll transition in a year or two and people will lose interest. That being said, I mean, Apex is still growing. It was only this year that they said they'd got to 100 million players. 100 million? It's massive. I think there's, I don't want to get wrong, but it's like about 12 million a month, I think, that they have active players, which is more than World of Warcraft did a few years ago. I don't know what WoW is now, but back in the day, it never would have been getting 12 million. I think it was like nine or 10. Wow, that is really, really big. If it's kids that are playing this game and this is like the game that they've found, which they play, then why wouldn't they carry on playing it? Like we carry on playing Halo, you know? Is it kids? Aren't they playing like Roblox and uh, Minecraft? Roblox? Roblox? Who knows? You think it's old gamers? I think it's slightly old. Not old gamers, but I think it's slightly old. I think it's your like Mm. your teenage gamers who are transitioning from COD and whatever rather than kids. Like I think kids implies sort of eight to 13 year olds. Whereas I think this is probably more year 13 to 18 and plus maybe even like uni guys. Mm. I could be way off base on that. I mean, who knows? It'd be interesting to know the demographic of a player base like this. I'd be really interested to know the age breakdown of people playing this game. Because what I was going to say is that if this is the game which they found and got good at, then there's no reason why they wouldn't keep on playing it casually or not, keep coming back to it or finding experiences which are similar to the experience which they've got good at. Mm. Maybe. I can see that. But I mean, there are always reinventions of or twists on different genres, aren't there? So like with mobbers, for example, like they were really, really big a few years ago and like collectible card games. Mm. All of those genres are still big, but they're not no longer like the new thing. And in fact, like I don't know if Battle Royale could still be considered the new thing. It's almost like they've diluted themselves. So many games use that approach now that they've diluted their player base. So no one game seems dominant. So then the Mm. genre itself doesn't seem as dominant because you're not always talking about this one game. But maybe with collectible card games, for instance, there's still the same guys who are playing Hearthstone, playing all sorts of other games as well as Hearthstone. (laughs) And the same with with this stuff. It's just sort of plateaus. So it's not like this huge explosion of new players, but equally it's not a complete exodus of those players either like there's still a huge number of people playing them an example of like an older genre or a classic genre like real-time strategy that has clearly fallen off yeah sure there's there's starcraft 2 but real-time strategy is nothing that it once was i would say that battleground shooters have as well like 
And I don't mean Battleground Royale. I mean... A deathmatch, yeah. Quake-style, Halo-style deathmatch. Like Absolutely. Which you'd have yeah, seen yeah. in Half-Life 2 and that as well. And that's what you mean by it being the same player base? As in the player base that would ordinarily have been in that, that deathmatch style first-person shooter is now moved on to the Battle Royale-style shooter. But also, yeah. they aren't making as many deathmatch games, are they? Like, what no, are no. the games to get excited about when it comes... Recent games, when it comes to deathmatch, I can't think of like any. Probably um, Overwatch was fairly similar to that. But even that was still not heroes, quite yeah. the same. Yeah, it was still Heroes with Ultimates. You had a lot more strategy in that because the time to kill was a lot longer, I think. Mm. And a bigger team as well. You had five, didn't you, on a team? Here's an economic theory then, just off the cuff. Do you think that's because for a deathmatch game to be good, like balance is key and equality is, is absolutely key to that game being successful and working and being enjoyable? Whereas in a hero shooter, where every character has different abilities and stuff, it's a lot more chaotic, a lot less predictable and can be swung by abilities which you don't necessarily have because somebody else is playing a different character to you in having different characters you're able to sell the skins and the models for those characters and make money off a free game whereas in a deathmatch you're not actually different to other people so are you going to be able to sell those skins as, as easily yeah maybe not maybe not so what you're saying is the freemium model has destroyed the gameplay <laughs> Maybe, yeah, because if there's no actual difference between characters in a game, then maybe aesthetic difference is less appealing. Mm. What a sad ending to this podcast. Oh, That's a shame, especially because I started it by being like, I want to have a lot of fun in today's episode. And now it's like, <laughs> gameplay has been irrevocably destroyed by the freemium model. Mm. Oh, fuck it. That is a real shame because... I feel frustrated when I like I get so amped for a lot of these games and then they come out and I really if they've got a single player I'll always play that and usually enjoy it mm. although with first person shooters the campaigns are often sort of 8 to 12 hours tops <laughs> so they're never like particularly long but then that's it the experience is over and we always bang on about Halo and the reason we bang on about Halo is because it feels like it's filled a niche mm. <laughs> that once was never a niche it was mainstream and now it's like it's the only game that does that thing like what mm. are the other games that do that same thing I can't think of any and there's like a handful of weapons you're not learning a fucking encyclopedia's worth of weapons and attachments and like armor types it's just like these are the mechanics they're pretty basic you know what to use long range short range medium range mm. and the rest is skill yeah, I'm a purist with it, right? Especially with Halo. I remember playing Call of Duty and not only was the time to kill really low on that, so that was bad, but the fact that you could choose what weapon you started with, I, I felt like that was a corruption of what it should be. Like everyone should start on the map in this, with this exactly <laughs> the same, same loadout, yeah. exactly the same position, and exactly. it should be your skill as the player to like know where the weapons are. and Yeah. Yeah. It's a different game type, I guess, but I'm just saying that's the one I love, not this one. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what what's next, Dante? Because um, I am fed up of talking about fucking Apex and Fumi. <laughs> right, cool. That being said, we've had um, this is our first battle royale that we've covered. Mm. So that's good. In like nearly thirty episodes. Ooh, nearly thirty episodes. What uh, what an achievement. Uh, nearly thirty listeners as well. I reckon probably by now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad we've done it. Mm. let's not do another one for another decade yeah agreed let's not do another one for a good few years yeah so what game are we playing next yoku's island express oh have I, have I said it right yeah i think so or yoku i mean i don't know how you pronounce yoku yoku yoku, yoku. 
But yeah, that's well remembered because I suddenly had a momentary panic that we actually hadn't arranged another game to play. But we have. You're right. Mm. Yeah, I've started playing it. Oh, uh, don't say anything because I want to go into it open-minded with all no right, preconceptions. All right, all right. All right nice. That's a pretty old game for us yeah, to cover. Yeah, it's a pretty old game, but I think it's fine for us to cover old games, especially if they're small games, which people might not have played. Yeah, it's like, I, I like that as well. It's introducing me to them and hopefully introducing you to them. Mm. Anyway, I think that's a wrap. Have you got any change on you to pay this bloody cashier or what? Uh, yeah, I've got maybe like 350s worth of coins. That's half of it. It's half of it. Let's just the other half next week. Still runner. One minute we're rushing to the next. We're one minute. Wah, 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 wah. All right, all right. Point taken. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd let you go with it for a bit, but then I had to laugh as well. Um, all right, all right. Point taken. Can we crack on again? I want to get this over with. Can you say that line again? I felt like it didn't have the right intonation. <laughs> it's the most complicated intro we've ever fucking recorded.